Okay, so good morning again, church, and thank you for uh, singing and worshiping. And it's part of the part of worship is is we get to sing, um, sing songs that uh, speak scripture and speak about truths uh, that He has for us. The early church was also the book of Acts. You notice that there was uh, they would bring themselves to, to, to a gathering, oftentimes a small group, probably like it is today, and uh, house, house churches were common. House churches were common in, uh, in their settings, and they would come together and, and pray and, and lift up the name of the Lord. They would, they would be encouraged by the scriptures that they had then. And, um, and so we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to get, we're trying to keep on track uh, with the things of God. And the Word of God is how we keep on track. And so I've chosen to go to the book of Ephesians today and start perhaps a, a series of messages that will, uh, as we go along, we'll try to cover a chapter. We'll see how it goes. But I'd like to go verse by verse and just really uh, try to understand what, what, the, what the Word of the Lord is saying uh, to us and what He has for us. You know, it's one thing to read the Word of God, but also to bring it into a in an applicable way into our life, apply it into our everyday situation. So we'll title this message from chapter 1, We Are Blessed. And so when you have the Lord, you can say, we are blessed, I am blessed, because the Lord is the blessing. The Lord wants to bless us, and maybe not always the way we think He should bless us, but if we have the Lord right, we are already blessed. So what really do we need? We need a few things, of course, and it's okay to have stuff, as long as stuff doesn't have us, right? And so we are in this life, as we go along, we are called to be stewards and managers and, and to do the best, do our work heartily as unto the Lord, we're serving Him. So Paul is writing this letter as, as one of the uh, letters that we know as the prison epistles, and so we have... We have Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And those, that is what is, we get, he wrote them from a prison cell. So Paul was not sitting around, moping around. I'm sure he had his moments, but he put his time to use. How many know that time is quickly going by, right? And you get to the seasons of life, and time seems to go quicker. But Paul did not waste his time, but he kept thinking about other people in the, in the faith, and now he writes the letter of Ephesians, probably to be circulated amongst the other churches that were at that time. Persecution was common in the early church. When I mean persecution, they were beaten, they were uh, run out of town, so to speak. Some were put in jail, some were executed, some were tortured, others, you know, were tested over and over again, but guess what? Persecution to the church spread the gospel. Because of persecution, the people in the book of Acts scattered. It says they scattered. And it just so happened when Satan thought he had the church now, it all broke up, just so happens that God had a purpose in getting them out of their comfort zone. And thus the gospel was spread. And so it is still today, this gospel needs to be proclaimed. 
the Word of God still needs to be spoken and read and understood. Matthew's Gospel speaks about that this Gospel shall be preached and then the end shall come. Talking about end time events. So we are here today to lift up the name of Jesus, which is the anchor and the foundation of the gospel. Through Jesus Christ, we can do what we can do We're proclaiming the gospel. Number one, God chose us. We are blessed. The scriptures that we're going to read, let me read at verse uh, four. Actually, I'm going to start at verse three. Why don't I just start at verse one? Because really, Paul uh, introduces himself. Paul is an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you, peace from God and Father in the Lord Jesus. Very typical of Paul's letter to mention that he is a follower of Christ an apostle by the will of God. Notice how in depth he goes. He doesn't take for granted that he's an apostle. It just didn't seem like something good he was going to do someday. I'm going to be an apostle. That sounds like a fun thing to do. And really, it was, a, it was a process that Paul wasn't a very nice guy before, before he came to Christ. We, if we know our history, Paul was not a very nice person. We wouldn't want to be, be around that fella in those days until he got converted. But Paul now has turned around, converted. He is transformed by the power of Jesus. Now he writes, blessed be the God, verse 3, blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heaven. That verse right there, that's where I get my, my title. We are blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And he reads on. Just as he chose us in him. So number one, God has chosen us in him. Who's him? Christ. God has chosen us. In Christ, when before the foundation of the world. Mind-boggling, isn't it? God didn't say, oh, man sinned, so therefore, oh, I guess I'll have to send my son Jesus. I read it as, God already knew as we read on. God chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kindness. So God chooses us through Christ, but we need to choose him. See what I'm saying? God chooses all those who are going to accept him through Christ, but then it's up to every individual to choose him back. God doesn't force anyone into his relationship, into the kingdom. God has already, before we even could think about it, before we, were even, we even existed, while we were yet sinners, Romans says, Christ died for us. And you can go all the way back even to the earliest days of, the, of the, the account in the Garden of Eden where God was created man and woman and God walked with them, right? 
God would come down and walk with them in the garden, and they would talk together and fellowship together. Because he chose them. He chose to be in, right, in, in a relationship with man and woman. You see, our problem is, as Adam and Eve started this, it's all their fault. We can say, well, it's all their fault. And it, and it basically is, but because we have a fallen nature, we are out of fellowship and we need Jesus to bring us back into connection with God. Right? Are you following me? Because I've sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, I cannot save myself. I cannot be good enough to come before God. God says, I will, I will send Jesus. And he comes, he becomes your righteousness. Now he becomes your covering so that you can walk with God. God chooses us. God already knew. As I read this, God already had a plan that Jesus was going to die, which is mind-boggling to me. I've asked, I've said it many times here, and just in my pondering, why would God bother? I can only come up with a couple of things. God is who he is, and he is sovereign, and God is, God is, and so beyond, his ways are not our ways, Isaiah says. He also, we read John 3.16, I'm sure most of you could quote that. For God so loved the world, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But whosoever would believe in him could not perish, but have everlasting God. We read in the same text in the next chapter, I'm just skipping over a little bit to kind of bring a, a point out here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Hath though we read about we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. We, in other words, we were walking in our own way. We were doing our own thing. We were away from God. We were disobedient. We were living in just for self. Like the nature of the rest of the world. Verse 4, but God. But God. But God intervened. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love, with his love, he loved us even when we were dead. Even while we were yet sinners, Romans says. That's an amazing love. That's unconditional love. That's, that's merciful love. And so we read on, going back to the text. Looking at verse... Six, to the praise of the glory of his grace, chapter 1 of Ephesians, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. The word redemption, what does that mean? He has purchased our salvation. He's redeemed us. He's made it right. He's made it possible. It cost him his life, the Lord himself. Before we go to the second point, which is the cost of his choice, Romans chapter 8 gives us a little window on how God is in the business of adoption. 
We all kind of understand that word a little bit. Adoption is when someone decides to choose someone and love them and bring them into their family. And they become their family. Now, we know that the history, the Bible talks about Jews are the people of God, they're the chosen. But he also reached down to all people, everyone, from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. Let me say, in every denomination, there are true believers. And the church of Jesus Christ is the church of Jesus Christ. Now, without getting too muddled up and bogged down, I want to just stick to this scripture that I'm going to read from Romans chapter 8, 15 and 16. For you have not received the spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which you cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. God's spirit, once we say yes to Jesus, God's spirit comes to live in us and resonate and bears witness with we have a spirit and we coincide together. And so his spirit is bearing witness with our spirit, not leading us to fear again, not, not thinking, well, oh, I'm going to mess up. I'm gonna, he's going to clobber me. He's, gonna, you know, he's just going to get rid of me. If I fail, if I sin, the, the relationship is this. When we sin, we come to him. The problem with Adam and Eve, they ran from him, right? They were afraid. As their eyes were open to their, their nakedness, and God had to kind of pry it out of them, right? You guys ate, did you eat from the, he knew, he knew they, they ate, but he tried to get them to admit. How many know that the old nature in us doesn't like to admit anything we've done wrong, right? That's that, hmm. It starts as a child, right? It starts very early. It was your fault. It was his fault. I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing. And it just kind of carries sometimes into our adult years where it says, well, as long as he didn't get caught, it's okay. Not good. God sees everything at all times, right? But yet God is trying to get us to understand that there is a way he wants us to walk and to live, that we're not walking before him, oh, if I mess up, he's going he's gonna to kill me, he's going to do away with me, God will convict you. And we learned last week in our Bible class about the word discipline. God disciplines those who he loves, right? There's a difference. Why does God discipline us? Because he loves us. He wants to share with us. All the blessings that he has. He wants to share all eternity with you. He wants you to be in heaven with him forever and forever. And the word is that he chose us. Even when I was on doing my own thing, uncaring, that's just like Paul himself. He could really relate to this. Because Saul, before he became Paul, was not a very nice person. He thought he was doing God's service by killing 
the, the Christians in the early church. And so it leads me to my second point, the cost of God's choosing us. It cost him his son, Jesus Christ. And if you look through scripture, and you discover that the whole idea of redemption, as we read in verse 7 in chapter 1 of Ephesians, in him we have redemption, was just not a simple, well, an easy thing. It was through his blood, through his blood. So it cost our Lord his life. The forgiveness of our trespass according to the riches of his grace. Now, in the earliest account of God doing that very thing was very, very early on. I mean, Adam and Eve sinned, they're hiding, they're afraid. God called them out. God called them and tried to get them to answer. And they have the discussion, and who told you? And they, they kind of like, Adam was like, well, the woman you gave me. There it is again, the old nature. Don't want to admit. The woman you gave me. Adam, you needed to make a stand. You needed to make a stand in the household. And so God, being rich in mercy and love, he clothed them with animal skins. Guess what had to happen? Some animals had to give their blood for in order for Adam and Eve to be covered. It's really a type of Christ. It's kind of hidden, tucked away. And when you read the Old Testament, you look for those very things. Something that's similar, a foreshadow. We call it a type of Christ. And so these animals, the blood was, was shed for the forgiveness, for the covering of Adam and Eve. We read over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 22, according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. So when God cho chose us, he understood that there would be a cost involved. Yet Jesus willingly stepped out of heaven and down to this earth, born, you know, as the incarnation, born to the Virgin Mary, and all the Holy Spirit was involved with all that. And now, thus, Jesus grows up, becomes the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, and gives his life. And it says in verse 8, he lavished upon us. He did not just simply, well, we'll just give a part of it. No, he went over the top. God goes over the top. God goes over and beyond. God, as we read later in Ephesians, he is able to do beyond more than we can even think. God is not stingy. God is rich and he's sharing. And what the thing about God is he wants you and I to live with him forever and forever. And it starts in our day now. It starts with every day. We look to the Lord and we start our day with our thoughts toward him. We want to continue to remember the, the sacrifice. So when we, we think about we are blessed, what comes to mind? What kind of blessings come to mind when we think about that? We are blessed. We begin to think about what he gave for us in Isaiah chapter 53. 
really kind of goes into some detail of what, what it cost our Lord. And now this is the prophet Isaiah foretelling the future of the Christ that would come. I read from verse 3, he was despised, forsaken of men. Isaiah 53, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was pierced through for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. By his scourging we are healed. There's some portions of scriptures that describe the process of prior to the crucifixion. Just, the Lord went through so much prior just to the scourging process. There's no wonder he wasn't able to carry the cross all the way. Probably because of a loss of so much blood that he shed. And the scriptures in Hebrews, we, we learned about it last week in our Bible study, that who for the joy set before him, Hebrews chapter 11, for the joy set before him, despised the shame, right? Endured the cross, right? And then he sat down at the right hand of God. What, what that verse, that whole verse really comes to light here, when he said he sat down, does not mean that he's just sitting up waiting up in heaven. Oh, one of these days the trumpet's going to blow and, I'm gonna, and the church is going to come up here. No, he's busy about going and preparing a place for you and I. The, the reference to sitting down, actually what it means, yes, he may sit down, but it's a finish. It's finished. Nothing can be added to it. Our salvation, we can't work hard enough, we can't try to be good enough for our own self. It's a gift that comes from the Lord. And so he chooses us. It costs his life. And now the benefit of choosing Christ. I referred to it early in the message. He chooses us, but what am I doing to reach back to him? Am I responding to his Am I open to his presence? Am I looking for him? Am I listening for him? Let we go back to the text. We read here in verse 11, we have, obtained, we have also a, a, obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's a, a huge blessing. What does it mean? You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit. Here's what it means. The promise is this. When we receive Jesus Christ, when we accept Jesus, when we believe on him, we realize we're sinners, we need him, then the helper, the Holy Spirit, that Jesus talked about, when I leave, will come. 
when Jesus went back to heaven, the Holy Spirit came to be all in all places at all times that whoever believes in him will come and live with him. So God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are one. And the Holy Spirit is like the arm of God that lives in believers. The Holy Spirit is a person. The third person of the Trinity. And his, his whole ministry is to help people understand truth, God's word. That's part of it. He also is known as the comforter. You're going through a hard time. You're, going, you're, you're grieving. You're sorrow. There's sorrow beyond words. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. And the comfort Paul described in Corinth, that it was the comfort, the same comfort of the Holy Spirit that comforted him, he would also be able to comfort others. So now, now we, 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 it goes full circle. Jesus comes to save us. I receive him. Now, what is my purpose in all this? Did God just save me so that I could be saved? He saved me so that I would be a witness. To live my life, to demonstrate who God is. That's our goal. That's, that's the main thrust of the church. When Jesus said, I will build my church, right? I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You can't stop God from building his church. And so we are in, we are in perfect harmony in the will of God when we're praying for people to be added to the church. The church is believers, the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit seals within us truth. Jesus talked about it in this way. The Holy Spirit will come, come and he will convict people of their sin. So no, now it's not just this sense that, uh, well, if I mess up, you know, I'll just, I'll just pray about it and then I'll, you know, I'll go on and it'll be okay. But it's a sense of, when I mess up, I know it, 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 it grieves the Holy Spirit. It, it, it becomes more than just something casual that I, I pray about it. Well, one of the, well, I just confess it. We know what he said, just confess. But what, what if it becomes something that, that, that breaks our heart? That's conviction. And thank God for that. Because then we want to make it right. Then we want to turn from our sin. Then we want to be on right relationship, be in harmony with God, so to speak. The benefit of us choosing Christ is, I could say this word, out of this world. Right? Inheritance. We know heaven awaits for people who believe in, on Christ. What about right now? What about when your body hurts and when your joints hurt? And sometimes you just don't feel your strength. There are benefits. The psalm, psalmist said it in the 103rd Psalm. We read it as this, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, we sang a little bit about that. Bless his holy name. Why, why is he saying that? Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
forget none of his benefits. Number one, he pardons all your iniquities. Those who walk with Jesus are forgiven. That's the greatest healing. Who heals all your diseases? This is another benefit that we can have health. And who redeems your life from the pit is the word redemption. He saved you from eternal separation from God. Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Who satisfies your years with good things. Now, you can fill in the blank. What is the good things? Well, when we really start to think about it, my dad would always say, if you have your health, you have everything. And he had the Lord. He lived on the, into his 90s, well into his 90s. But he would often say, if you have your health, you have everything. So what he was saying is, don't take for granted your health. And so while we were at State Fair this last week, Harry and I, here comes the confession. We didn't eat. We ate, but we didn't eat healthy stuff. We just ate fair food. And the next day, it's like, ah, man. It was good at the time, but it was messing with me, right? And so that's kind of, we know sometimes what we need to be doing, right? We need to be eating better. We need to be good stewards. But, oh, it tastes so good. And I'm not going to get down there because we want to have ice cream maybe later today. Come on. What are the things? God renews us. God crowns us. God gives us freedom to choose, right? But sometimes we reap what we do, what we choose. And then we understand, you know, God really does have us designed. He really put us together. We're supposed to eat well. We're supposed to get our rest. We're supposed to exercise. We're not supposed to hold bitterness. We're not supposed to, you know, get, get a bad attitude, get, become a stinky apple in the cart, so to speak, affects others around you. Uh, my wife likes to get some bananas from time to time, and you know, they look so good at first, but if you don't eat them at the right time, you peel that away. And some people say, well, that's when they're really good. I don't like smushy bananas. I like them just right. How can we stay healthy? We have to eat right. We have to rest. But what about our spiritual, our, our faith? How do we stay healthy? We don't let the weeds grow up in our heart. We deal with things that we, we, get a, we get a wrong attitude. 
And we, we, we understand, oh my goodness, my, my old nature is still wanting to come back. And so there's a wrestling. And so we say, Lord, okay, here, here I am. I'm not hiding from you. I just say, Lord, I need you. It's simple as that. Lord, you know who I am. I realize that it's your blood. I realize that you have redeemed my life. I, I realize that I cannot save myself. I realize it's your love. And I just got to reach out and say yes to you because you chose me. You've chosen us. It cost your life. And we are the beneficiaries. We are going to live forever because Jesus is living forever. Our God in whom we serve, who created all that we see around us, has been ever. We can't even measure it. He's always been. Can't wrap my mind around it. But we know he's always been. And he always will be. He's made a place. He has a place in mind for us. And so until he calls us home, this last song that we're going to sing really describes how that we sometimes feel, or perhaps we're just going through, going through earthly things, going through as someone say, would say at this real life happens. We know life happens. I, I don't know why some people seem to have to suffer. I don't know why other people that are good people have things going on that I wouldn't want to be involved with. But I know this, that he is for us.